to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance and connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, however you have stumbled across us, or this is the next episode in your feed, we want to say welcome. Thanks for joining us. My name's Paul Joy, and as the host, it is my privilege to sit down each episode with another Yog, a Yarra old grammarian. Some who have finished their time at Yarra just years ago and others decades ago. And each time it's a fascinating conversation to hear of the twists and the turns along the way. I'm confident that you're going to enjoy this conversation with Liam Morecambe from the class of 2014. An excellent communicator, highly high on the spectrum of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, mindfulness, a deep thinker, and a great reflection on his journey, his learnings through school, and then where those choices have led him today. He is engaged with communities, both online and in person, and by the sounds of it, doing a terrific job. I trust you'll enjoy this episode and hang in there right through to the end. I apologize early on, there may be a couple of little technical issues uh, there at my end. (laughs) So for that, I apologize, but hang in there. The conversation is well worth the listen. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast where we get to sit down with yogs, Yarra or grammarians, and conversation by conversation, we get to learn a little bit about what life was like back when they were a student at Yarra Valley Grammar. And also, we roll with them through the journey of life and where the twists and turns of their experience and their choices and the options that they've um, picked have taken them and to where we are today. We are in the midst of COVID-19 as we record this and the obvious challenges that that brings. But despite all of that, we have found a way. Liam Morecambe from the class of 2014. Hello, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hello, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Liam, I wonder if we can begin by just you kind of putting some pictures around what it was like when you first started at Yarra. What year did you come in and what uniform were you wearing? Absolutely. Uh, So it was 2009 was the year, wow, 11 years ago, that I started my journey with Yarra entering into year seven. Uh, I remember very vividly all the way back to the first um, orientation day that we did actually, um, before it even officially started and uh, getting a chance to meet the teachers and have a bit of a tour of the school. Um, I was actually um, in a unique position that my dad had also gone to Yarra um, as a yog as well. So I'd been to the school a few times and had done some um, performances there with my primary school. So the, the landscape was familiar, but obviously it was the um, 
the pressures of, of entering into a new space and, you know, sort of wondering, you know, who my friends would be and what the teachers would be like. But um, the uniform, I, I have a, a picture actually that I have uh, somewhere in my house, um, probably um, behind some boxes of the first day, which is when we had those um, terrible fires, um, the Black Saturday fires. So I've got myself standing outside in my, my black and white uniform with the red tie, I think it was you had in year seven. And they actually had the um, transformer outside of our house that exploded because of the severe heat. So it's a very iconic photo, but um, you know, that probably cemented more memories than some of the other years, just all the, all the sort of turmoils happening then. But uh, remember the uniforms very well. Absolutely. And and you're quite right. It's I mean, there's a couple of things in what you've just talked about. One, I'm I'm delighted to speak with second generation Yarra, you know, that your dad went through. And I, I think that's an interesting perspective. But also, you're quite right for those who do remember Black Saturday. And it wasn't just a day. It was a series of days and weeks and, and months. And, and really, as far as recovery goes, it's still an ongoing journey. Um as you mentioned, if you were that close where a transformer on your property has exploded or, or at least nearby your home, um, that's pretty hot. Absolutely. Um, when you were in Year 7 and, as you mentioned, with all of the mixture of emotions and hesitations and uncertainty, was there anything in particular that you think really helped you connect? Was it a camp? Was it a class? Was it a teacher? Was it your year group? Was it maybe one of the other year sevens who reached out to you. What helped you settle in fairly quickly? I was sort of lucky enough that I made friends quite quickly um, in year seven and, and some of those friendships I still hold to this day, which is absolutely fantastic. But probably some of the earlier memories that I have, um, strangely enough, was just the space that we had, the year seven building being um, kind of on the on the other end of the school, I guess, to some of the other year levels gave that, that blanket and safety to be able to um, know that you're kind of all in this together. And there was... Um, obviously support by the coordinators, which was fantastic as well. And the first camp we went on, which I can't remember the place uh, off the top of my head, but the year seven camp, um, just a week long. It's a fantastic opportunity, sort of the bus trips and all those kind of, um, those pauses in between the activities we were doing just to, on our own terms, be able to approach people and and uh, get to know each other. And even just the um, uh, the groups that you slept with in, in the um, in the cabins, those those people I'm actually still friends with to this day. So there were so many opportunities uh, during those formative years to, to get a chance to really cement those friendships that would travel all the way into the senior levels and then onwards beyond. Yes, indeed, those initial interactions are so critically important to find where we fit in the bigger picture. Those early years matter. Tell us, where did you hang out, you know, in those, say, year seven, eight, nine? Were you in the, on the sports field? Did you hang out at the CAF? Was there a particular tree you used to hang out under? Where, where would we find you? It was a bit of a rotation, I think, on year to year on where we went, obviously changing buildings. But, um, the areas that we mostly hung around with, I think in year seven, it was just behind what was once the old gymnasium, I think it was at Yarra many, many years ago, um, where the junior school kind of connected to the year seven building. So we hung around there um, and then moving into year eight, I think it was near the old hockey uh, field that no longer exists as well. So probably lots of lots of locations that unfortunately no one else gets the privilege of, of hanging out around. But, um, you know, just to sort of being outdoors with friends and there was no real kind of activities. We we weren't really kind of the, the sporty group or anything or the um, the group that might be inside studying. We were, we were really just about the social aspect. So it was just catching up at lunch, you know, hearing what had happened and, and just chatting really, which was, you know, great, great experience to have. 
it, it's quite true, isn't it, that our friends have such a big impact on us and they kind of help us work out who we are and what's important, what do we value. Can you think of anything from those early days that helped you to decide what was important to you? Did they introduce things into your life based on who you were hanging with that, that perhaps was current for you back then? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, hobbies. I think so many of the hobbies which I um, picked up during that time and things that I, I still uh, am interested in to this day came from people around me that kind of shared exposure to people coming from different backgrounds and interests. Uh, and, and probably more so than that, I think high school gave me a great insight into some of the, the field I ended up following uh, into university and then beyond. So I, I was very interested in social elements of, of just kind of connecting with people. And, and that really paved the way for my journey through through my friends. And I, I sort of hold that as the, the first kind of uh, moment of realization that I wanted to have a job that was all about people and connecting with others. And just that kind of extroverted excitement that um, I get from just being around other people and that energy that I feed off. And, you know, all through high school, I felt that I felt that the sort of landscape of Yarra was really about connecting people and forging friendships and also just the teachers as well, being able to feel like they're, they're not just your teachers, but they're people that you can really turn to and, and see as um, friends and people you can confide in. Liam, I wonder if you can now share with us a little bit about where you went in terms of your studies. What area of the school, what department, what faculty was where you sort of started to head? Was was it English? Was it drama? Was it art? Was it out on the sports field? What what academically were the foundations that you built at Yarra? So moving into the senior year levels, I definitely moved away from the kind of maths and science areas and lent a lot more into the English drama and also uh, the IT and IDM space. Those were the, the main subjects I pursued. I was really interested in technology and, and IT. So I, I followed all those subjects with a passion. I think I did three of them, software development, IT and interactive digital media, which gave me um, fantastic skills to be able to Photoshop uh, memes and all sorts of things which are very valuable to have. Um, but yeah, I, drama was another subject that I was very passionate about. I really enjoyed acting and I've still to this day try to act where I can in performances, uh, just for my own benefit, not really for any any kind of monetary game, but just something that I really enjoy and, and being able to do that with others, express myself. I know you haven't necessarily made a career out of your your drama and, and acting, but what is it about acting and, and, and dare I say, without putting words into your mouth or thoughts into your head, but that idea of maybe pretending to be somebody else, is that something that, that you know, that, that drew you or draws you into that world? Absolutely. I think it's a very empowering feeling to be able to get in the head of someone else or think in a different way and help that enrich a performance. I mean, anyone can read off a script and, you know, say say some fantastic monologue, but it's kind of through taking on that persona and, and thinking about how you can enrich that through your, you know, vocally or through your actions and movements to, to kind of build that out. And even though I, I, I haven't pursued that as a career path. Um, I, I said it before that I do some acting uh, just in performances, but on top of that, 
even in my weekly routine as well, I do um, the role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons, which is a very uh, nerdy hobby to have. But even that involves uh, the requirement to be able to kind of act out and pretend to be these, um, you know, fantastical characters that have different accents and mannerisms and voices. And uh, I think that very much equipped me. Um, which is something that I really think back on as maybe not something that equipped me in the workforce or equipped me in any way that maybe was substantive, but having the ability to just do a subject that I enjoyed and not feel any regrets is, is a fantastic feeling to have. Absolutely. And, and without touching on it for too long, you put those VC subjects together, which included some drama, included some uh, some technology and, uh, and computer generation and and so forth did you get the results that you were looking for without necessarily speaking numbers and then where did that lead you to yeah i did get the result that i was looking for and a little bit above that which was a really great feeling to have i i I knew that if i'd picked the subjects that you know might have been the ones that are marked up because they're difficult subjects i and not really feel that passion I, i just knew that it would either burn me out or i wouldn't get what I wanted and be disappointed, but because I was following subjects that were my passion and things that sort of felt a little bit more like second nature to me to, to just kind of feel like I want to study and, and do them, it, it made me more enthusiastic about year 12. And I half of the subjects, I really didn't feel it was even effort to, to be spending that time studying because it's something that I really wanted to. I wanted to you know, learn how to be a better writer in my English. I wanted to learn how to, to act better and think about that kind of theory that informs that. And with all the IT subjects as well, just kind of breaking apart those different tools that we use and and just doing that in my own time. So I think if you follow what you love and, and make sure that, you know, you're waking up every morning for school or whatever it is you're doing in life and and feeling that passion for what you're about to to learn, then you're, you're setting yourself up to succeed in a way that others that maybe force themselves to do things just because it's a requirement of the path they think they're, they're set for. I, t- I totally agree. I think you're well on the way. If you can be doing things, involved in things that you enjoy, then that helps an enormous amount. Where did it lead? What happened after year 12? So after year 12, I, I was very enthusiastic to, to keep on learning and keep on studying. So I, uh, in 2015, went to RMIT to do a Bachelor's of Communications. And I followed that uh, at the end of those three years with a, another year doing honours where I spent the time uh, writing a thesis on a topic that I was particularly passionate about, which was looking at online communication and trust building and how in a more kind of globalized and connected workforce, as we're seeing now through this COVID environment, how, how do you build connection and trust with people that, you know, you're not meeting face to face that you've got to meet in these online environments. So uh, a lot of what I researched then is is what we're all probably experiencing now, which is a very unique position to be in. But that that journey that I had through RMIT, all all the subjects that I picked up were were all things that I'd already discovered were my passions in in high school. You know, maybe obviously there wasn't a a communication subject per se in in the kind of VC curriculum, but I knew that that was a particular degree that really ticked all the boxes of, of what I wanted. Wow. So the relevance for what you were studying back then to now, we don't have time to kind of have you unpack 20,000 words of, of, of your thesis, but I wonder whether you can give us a snapshot, give us an insight. You were answering the, the question around what does it take to build trust in an online environment. Can you give us a couple of tips for, for those who are listening, whether it be work, whether it be schools, whether it be studying, whether it be just socially with our, our own family who in the past we've 
gone over to their home for dinner. We've sat around the meal table and we've got relationships through that. But now, and I know in my own context, we, we now have a, a regular Zoom call with my extended family and it's different. It, it really feels different and the conversation's different. The, the people who speak more are different compared to what it was when we would be around the, the meal table. What did you find out? What have you learnt and how is it showing up today? Yeah, so I mean, as, as we probably all know, there's there's a little bit kind of awkwardness or, or differences in the etiquette of of talking and, and communicating online and working online as well um, compared to being in person. And I kept coming back to the same few things of kind of tools that you can use to to not not so much replace face to face communication because you know you just can't like it's it's never going to feel that same quality. But you've you've got like gamification is a term that we we use quite a lot when I was exploring my my thesis, which is all kind of looking at how you can use elements of play and games to help uh, connect people and, and enrich an experience. So we looked at how if, if you've got a team of, let's say, 10 people working in a team and they've never met each other in, in real life, perhaps you can think of little ice-breaking activities or exercise that you can run in a meeting that kind of gets those... Um, what do you call them? Kind of like uh, coffee conversations, all those things where you don't really get them in, in the day-to-day life of work, but those little kind of moments where you get to just interact with someone as you're passing by. How, how do you simulate that? So thinking about activities that have nothing to do with a project or work, but just kind of focus on that connection, that relationship building, because as soon as you can establish that, people will be more productive in the way that they work with each other. They might feel more comfortable with the connections that they have. Uh, and it's, it's that kind of psychological look of, of uh, how how you form your relationships and who do you turn to in in those situations. So it, it was a lot of, of that was probably the, the main discovery that I found. Yeah, and, and I guess for many of us who have been thrust into this environment, not necessarily by choice, and in fact some kicking and screaming into this current uh, way of interacting and way of working, are there, would you have a tip or two for those who might be reluctant about this, you know, online world that we're part of and a tip or two to help them to to perhaps see some positives or, or, or maybe a way that they might be able to prepare themselves for their next meeting? I think the, the entire COVID experience, at least in my perspective, has felt like one giant mindfulness exercise. It helps you see and put everything in perspective of what really brings value to your to your work to your to your schooling or to to any kind of element of your life and uh, you know there say for example you might have a colleague at work that you really don't get along with and you know you just can't stand can't stand being in the room with them but i'm sure a lot of people right now be itching just to be able to get back and even if it's the person maybe they don't get along with they would love that because you know that that connection is what is really important in life it's it's a thing that we're all being deprived of right now and we all feel it but if you if you can recognize that that is uh, you know something that maybe is an issue for you right now, that there are obviously substitutes, not not things that are going to be the same. But just making sure that you stay in contact with people around you and and put that time out of your week to have a call with someone you haven't caught up with in a while, or maybe do an online game or, or just something to kind of keep that going as you can. Um, you know, it's never going to be better a place the real thing, but it can at least get you by until this is all over, and you'll you'll find that your your mental state will improve just through that alone. I think. So your studies 
have proven themselves to be extremely relevant to what we're in right now. And I imagine that you're within your own working environment now are able to contribute and, uh, and, and really lead the way. But at the end of your studies, what did you then move into in terms of career or jobs or did you travel? What happened next? So um, after a few part-time jobs that I had through university, I was lucky enough to land a full-time job pretty much straight out of finishing my honours degree, which was at a company called GHD, um, which is not to be mistaken with GHD Hair, which is a hair company, which uh, I don't think I'd be very good with with my uh, now receding hairline. But uh, I, I was working in the engineering firm at GHD in the engagement, communication and communities team. So we generally work with a lot of big engineering projects. So things like the uh, North Northeast Link project, which is happening uh, very close to um, Yarra Valley, the uh, level crossing removal project, um, as well as all sorts. We work in the water space, we work in the energy space. And as far as my particular role and how I kind of fit into all of this was in any project, obviously, you're going to have people that, um, you know, might be unhappy with a project happening on their doorstep or, you know, they might be worried about their, their house being acquired as part of the works or even just communicating information to the public, you know, what's going on, creating videos, fact sheets and, and kind of working with groups to help them learn more about the project and sometimes even get involved and, and contribute to the outcome of it. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the area that I moved into on a, on a short explanation. And we're finding now in this digital world that it's uh, it's very different. You know, engaging with communities is difficult, but we're still trying to have kind of workshops and ways that we can connect with them by inviting groups to participate in the process of, of you know, building these fantastic projects, which are really shaping Victoria and listening to them and taking on board any issues or comments or ideas that they have and, and running with them and, you know, sometimes make them into fantastic outcomes that they can be proud of and the community can really get behind. I imagine in a, a role like that, that's all about communication and listening, as well as sharing your own on behalf of your organisation, sharing this is the way that we think we're going to move forward. And and I imagine some conversations go really, really well and, and some of those workshops and those forums that you hold. But equally, there would be days when you, you, you come out of it and you go, wow, I just got <laughs> just got hammered today. And, and that's what I would say is, you know, that, that was a bad day. That was a tough day. That was that was like a real kick in the guts. How do you how do you come back from that? Like, what's your strategy from when things go really well, there's there's a response that naturally you would have and, and you would hold. But there's also when you're kicked around and, and, and it's almost like you, it's your fault that we're losing our view. It's your fault that we're going to have cracks in our walls or whatever. How do you manage yourself in the midst of either the highs or the lows? It's. I think it's. Um. As as far as some of the more challenging stakeholders and community groups that you deal with, it's it's a bit of a two step process. I think the first part for me is to recognise it's not personal. You know, as much as they might be up in your face, abusing you, and you know, telling you that you're you're ruining their lives in in one way or another, knowing that it, it's it's not personally them taking issue with you. It's them being passionate about something that they feel they're having taken away or changed. And I think as soon as you recognise that they have that passion it's actually a lot easier to find common ground with them. You know, everyone, everyone cares about, you know, people are proud of where they live. People are proud of their communities. People are proud of their parks, you know, their roads, everything. So it's about not so much telling them that we can't do anything, but, 
trying to find that middle ground. And, you know, even if you can't, being able to listen and take on board and genuinely show compassion for, for what they're trying to say. You know, there might be a project where the outcome can't be changed or, you know, there's some situation where you've got to take their house away or you've got to, you know, change that tree or, or anything really. But you can always find time to listen and to understand and to show that empathy and compassion. And as long as you take the time to do that, there will always be some influence or impact on what you're doing and hopefully in finding middle ground to hopefully change things. That's that's beautiful. And when I think of engineers, and, and I apologise to all of the engineers out there, I, I don't think of compassion. I don't think of emotional intelligence. I don't think of clear communication. And I guess that's why they have someone like you who can come in and do those things, those soft skills, if you like, to help me, the resident, me, the homeowner, me, the, the, the community member, to come to grips with actually what you're trying to do is make the place better. You're trying as an organisation, you're seeking to improve things. And, I mean, politically and environmentally, there are lots of challenges around the work that you do. And and without necessarily pinning you to the wall <laughs> or throwing darts at you, are there some projects that you've been part of at whatever stage of the of the journey that you're really proud of and, and things that we might actually, not that you've laid the concrete necessarily, not that you've necessarily measured the, you know, the distance between that post and that wall or, but that you've been part of that we would recognize, that we would know that, that, that you could tell us you had a part to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's sort of a few that come to mind. I'll, I'll talk about one that I'm presently doing, um, one that I've previously done and, and, and uh, maybe contrast them a little bit in the outcomes that we had. So I can't unfortunately go into too much detail. Um, there's some confidential elements to things, but one that I'm working on at the moment is all around how we engage with schools. Um, this is one of the sort of larger projects under the major transport infrastructure authority which is the victorian government sort of big builds that they're doing so one of those projects uh is looking at how we can engage with school groups and think about uh, stem learning so um you know science technology arts and maths um, and i think there's e as well have added in uh, so steam now but how do we get them interested in career paths like engineering that we are seeing maybe a lack of uh participation or people moving into those fields, especially for women. Uh, women in engineering is a very small proportion of the amount of engineers. So we're looking at how we can get people like that really excited about, about this work. So how do we send you know, our, our engineers into their schools and, and do workshops with them or presentations or you know, create cool online activities that they can get involved with and learn more about these projects? Because they are quite fascinating, but to youths, it's just not really on their radar as something that they could you know, be involved with or listen to. And we're also looking at how we can have excursions even to, to some of the sites and show them around and really get them inspired by that. So I think that's quite a positive one, just to, you know, be able to feel that we're paving the way for the next generation and also just educating them as well. It's it's very enriching, I think, to, to both the school curriculum and also to, you know, what might, you know, what they might do in university, even if they don't go into engineering or communications or any of those fields it's just a good thing to to know about how the world works and how that kind of infrastructure world operates but that's kind of one of the current ones but a previous project that i worked on which um, is actually live so people can have a look at this online if they want to but for the northeast link project 
we worked a lot with um, sports and recreation groups. Um, there were a lot of sporting facilities that we're going to need to occupy during the works. So we knew that we'd have all these massive trucks and construction equipment, which would be pretty much just dumping into these fields and and uh, occupying them for quite a few quite a few years. And this is you know sort of paving the way. It's a 2020 project all the way to 2027. So very very long period of time. But during that initial stage, we thought about ways that we could help communicate with communities in a really interesting way. So we developed this fantastic interactive map that people could go onto and they could see that their sports field, you know, their, their sports team might be playing on this field, but during the work, they'll have information of where they'll be relocated to during that whole process on this sort of Google Maps-esque looking app uh, and give them information about what they'll be seeing after that project concludes, these visual depictions of these fantastic new upgraded sports facilities and it's a it's a challenging one because obviously some of these sports teams and communities aren't particularly happy with 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 what's happening. But the we got some fantastic feedback on on this product that we made. So the project's um, ArcGIS Story Maps was the tool we used. So if you actually go onto the Northeast Think website, you can find that interactive sports and recreation map and play around with it. But for some of those teams, it was a very valuable tool to have to be able to just click straight away and say, okay, this is my team. Where are we moving to? done like a lot easier than going to each of those groups and you know coordinating schedules with them and figuring it all out and getting into that very convoluted process so that was one that i felt we made a very kind of simple but impactful difference on the way that they felt a lot more secure about the the future for them and you know seeing that kind of end result of those fantastic upgrades as well and sometimes it's the fear of the unknown. So being able to provide information for people and, as you say, that you had actually gone ahead and thought about what are the options, what is the best option for this sporting team or that group or whatever, and you've then provided them the the positive outcome is that we're going to provide this space, this venue, this for you to keep participating. And then when eventually we are able to let you back into your current space it's going to look better because of this, this and this that we're going to enhance the space. And so I, I agree with you. I think communication of that information is is often the key. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that, that sounds really, really exciting. Um, both the project you're working on now and and that that sporting component and, and you're saying that's a project, you said 20, 2023 to 2027. North, so North that's a- East Link is uh, in its early works now. It's 2020 to 2027. So it's a, it's a $16 billion project, one of the largest ones in Victoria. And it's really, really exciting to be on it. There's a lot a lot going on in the infrastructure sector right now, obviously, as, as you can sort of, um, as you can tell. And obviously, we've got the suburban rail loop potentially into the next election, all these. So it's um, going to be quite active, I think, uh, our work for the next, next 10 years or so. For sure, for sure. And so in that sense, you yourself, in your role within these big projects, you've got to sort of be looking a, a fair way ahead to the implications and, and communicating in a timely fashion to the groups and the, the people who are impacted by that. I wonder if I can offer you a, a, a phrase, a term that you might be familiar with, and that is Lavavi Oculus. It's our school motto at Yarra Valley Grammar. And I wonder if you can recall what it means and what does it mean to you today? I, I do recall. I believe it's I lift up my eyes or we lift up our eyes. And to me, I see it as being inspired by all of the sort of possibilities and potential around you, not just what's directly in front of you, thinking about all those things, you know, whether it be the future or in kind of a different area that maybe you haven't sort of 
looked into and and how that can bring more richness to your life and to your to your mind and I think just build you as a person really and I can definitely see why Yara has has taken that as as their school motto because Yara is a fantastic school both in reputation and and in practice in in showing all those possibilities to students and, and helping build on their potential in in ways that you know the, the standard curriculum doesn't it's it's you know not so much just the maths and the English it's it's everything else it's about supporting students to to look into that you know maybe more niche area of something they're really passionate about and, and being equipped with you know teachers and facilities that can really support that in the midst of your experience would you say that there were people or experiences that were if you like an inspiration to you i mean that might be a strong word a bit of a big word but would you in on reflection of where you are now compared with then were there moments or instances that inspired you that may have led you to where you are today yeah i think i had so many fantastic teachers so it wouldn't be fair just to just to name one but all of the subjects that I did in VCE, those kind of senior years, it, there was so much passion from all of the teachers that I had to to really inspire. And I think it's because obviously they they came into those jobs with the intention to really make a difference. And you know, so you know you know that if you have a passionate teacher, you're gonna be in good hands. Whereas inversely, if you've got someone that really doesn't have that connection to what it is that they're doing, then, you know, how are you going to pass that on to the students? How are you going to expect them to succeed? So, and also just the the tools that we had in the IT department, I think, especially were fantastic. Obviously having all the, you know, the Adobe suite and having uh, really fantastic uh, teachers on hand that knew knew what they were talking about. It was, it was really good. And I think that's that stuff that maybe I don't apply so much in my work, but our generation obviously needs to be a lot more kind of tech savvy and, and all these different things to kind of uh, remain up to date with the ever-changing world that's happening. And obviously right now um, we're seeing the differences between the people that are um, succeeding or failing in the in the COVID digital world. Obviously, um, you know, you have phone calls to your relatives and you're like, oh, is it on? Is the webcam on? And all the, all the different fun, fun moments you have. So even that is just a, a great thing to look back on and reflect. Absolutely. And, and we talked earlier about the value of enjoying what you're doing and those teachers who who enjoy what they're doing and are able to inspire and, as you say, probably entered into that career with the intent that they would make a difference, that they their purpose was to help young people to open their eyes and to experience things. And, and in your current role, in your work, you seem to be really content, you, you're really happy. I wonder if you can speak for a moment on purpose in terms of a purpose in your life or in your work or in, you know, what's it all about for you? It's, it's interesting you say that. I think there were so many years in high school and university where I was looking to find my purpose. It probably wasn't until a bit later in life now in the past few years that I think I've, I've sort of found where that path is. I think for me it is all about connecting with others and and the kind of human experience it's the it's the emotions it's all the feelings that you have is is what i what i find purpose in it's about making others happy but also finding happiness from others you know making sure that the people that you surround yourself with are are positive that they're people that enrich your life it's it's very easy to kind of fall into traps of obviously maybe 
maybe toxic people or ideas and it's not until you kind of reflect on yourself and the kind of the company you keep and the the value that your relationships have that you have a bit more perspective on what's important in life i think if you've if you've got if you've got people around you it's a lot easier to be happy obviously those that you know the most lonely despite how many people they they surround themselves with if those relationships aren't strong and you know authentic then you're going to be looking for that your whole life and i'm i'm just intent on for how many years i'm i'm granted on this earth is to find more people that i i feel i can build those relationships and connections with and you know, die happy effectively and know that i've 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 made a difference maybe not in the grand scheme of things but in terms of the people i've spent time with and enjoyed certainly a, a most worthy pursuit that's for sure <laughs> tell me and I want you to um, put away any sense of humility, but I want to give you 30 seconds uh, of airtime to brag. What's going really well for you? What's something that you're doing or trying or playing at or practicing that you're really, you know, you feel like that is going really well? I am showing up as my best self in the midst of this. Gosh, I think that's that's a hard one to say during COVID. I mean, I, definitely my working routine and workout routines um, gotten a bit got a bit awry. But uh, good things are happening. Uh, I think I've, I've found a lot of balance in between my work and my social life. I feel like it's something that I struggled with for quite a few years, and I feel now that I'm more in control of the off time and the on time, the downtime and the uh, and the time to to really knuckle down and, and focus. And, and that's something that can be a struggle, but once you find that and, and you stick to it, it can make you feel a lot happier. So that's, I feel very proud of myself for having found the time to, to reflect on how I need to adjust things and, and find a routine that works. And I think I, I have found that and it's put me in a very good mental state. Terrific. That's great. Liam, I'd like to take you now into a, a little part of our um, podcast. It's a regular feature and that is uh, the, the lightning round, if you like, the quick fire round, where I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you. That ten uh, points a question. All right, short and yeah. sharp. So, Liam Morecambe from the class of 2014. What house were you in when you were at Yarra? I was in Plumber House, greenhouse. And were plumber any good back in your day? I think our reputation prior to us starting at Yarra was quite good, but during the years, I don't believe we made it. It was sort of Annals and Arnold, I think, were the two the two ones to take down during those years. And, and Hughes, oh, I won't talk about Hughes too much, but they unfortunately, I think, lay behind a little bit with us. Fair enough. Yeah, you, you're probably right there. Um, tell, did you have a nickname when you were at school? And what was it? Oh, I, I, I tried to fight all the nicknames that I was given. I had like Morksy and Morkum. I, I wasn't really proud of proud of those ones. So I, I really tried to make, call me Liam. But uh, I, every now and again, someone would call me Morkum or Morksy. Okay. Well, we'll call you Liam here today if that's okay. That's fine. Anything, <laughs> anything works. Not so um, sensitive these days. What would we have found in your lunchbox during a typical uh, lunch break? I was um, very lucky that my mum was very mindful of, of health. So I, I had um, wraps and, and apples and things and was probably all the way into senior school. I think my mum was still packing my lunch. It's a little bit of an embarrassment, but she um, she kept me in good good health. Um, but, you know, every now and again, go down to the um, fantastic canteen and get a hot dog and, and uh, iced tea was my, my go-to. Uh-huh. 
If you were able to have a a, uh, a dinner party now and invite some people over, what would be the dish that you would uh, prepare for them? What what what's your go to meal to impress? I'm very I'm very partial to Mexican food. I like cooking Mexican food, but uh, I'd have to say. I think I do a pretty good mash. It's one thing that I, I've perfected. Is doing. I've got one of those uh, potato um, uh, rices now, which is which has improved the quality of my potato mash tenfold. It's probably like steak and steak and mash or something very simple, but good to put a flair on it. Simple's good. Um, tell me if you could choose three people from your uh, experience of Yarra Valley Grammar, whether they be teachers, students, past, present, future. Who would three people be that you'd love to sit down in the year of 2020 and uh, have over for a dinner party? What a fantastic question. Um, I think uh, Dr. Mary, I think, would be one. I, I feel he would be a very good person to have a conversation with. Uh, so put him down. Uh, Mark Schumann from the IT department always had some good banter with him. And then finally, my year seven English teacher, Mrs. Gitz. She was a inspiring teacher, very, very intelligent lady, um, left Yara quite a few years ago, I think, and uh, she would be a great person to have a chat with. Fantastic. That, that's a good list. That would be a good dinner party. And would you st- yeah. serve up your steak and mash? Oh, I think I'd go probably extra mile for, for those three. I'd probably put on something a little bit more fancy. <laughs> very good. I, I wonder whether in your time you've talked a little bit about performance and drama and, and whether there's a musical, a performance, a time when you were on the stage that is very memorable to you, whether whether you had the lead or not, whether you were um, whether it was because you performed beautifully or maybe you mucked it up. Is there something that comes to mind that is memorable? Yeah, I last year performed in a show called Spring Awakening, which is a um, fantastic, fantastic musical for anyone that hasn't uh, listened to it. But I, I wasn't a lead role in it. I was just part of the ensemble, but it was a very tight cast of about 20 uh, students from RMIT. It was actually RMIT put on musical. But everything about that performance just felt above and beyond from the, from the direction, from the acting, from the singing. And Every single night we had a standing ovation. It was just the most powerful thing. People felt so impressed, maybe because it was a bit more of a niche musical that people hadn't seen and got the privilege to experience. But I felt so in my element during that kind of that final stand where you just kind of look into the crowd and, you know, see friends or people you don't even recognize and and just kind of that 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 warmth of knowing that what you've done has affected people in that way. If you had the choice between school athletics or school swimming, what would be your preference? Ooh, I I'd probably go school athletics. I never I, I never hated sport. I just wasn't very good at things, but I um I don't mind running and walking, so probably probably something in that field. Is there a piece of work that you're particularly proud of? Maybe it's one that you worked really, really hard at and you had lots of drafts and eventually you got it back. I'm, I'm thinking school-wise here, or was there mm. a test that you you studied really hard for or something that you, you know, maybe you pulled one out of the hat and uh, a piece of work or, or a, a, a result that you're very proud of? I think the um, solo performances that we comprised for the Year 12 drama, um, our entire cohort did fantastic i think you know we were all kind of watching each other through the process and seeing them mold and everything and it's really fun i, I joke with some of my friends that i had in this class um so stephen pythas and and uh, a few other people in that in that drama class and we still remember our solos and quote them to each other like certain lines which is which is really funny to do 
So do you remember other people's or you're, you're quoting your own? Oh, I know. I remember other people's as well. So we, we every now and again pop that one out. I think I've actually got them all recorded somewhere too. So maybe I'll do a viewing party with them one day. <laughs> how, how did you, what was a normal travel experience for you like in terms of how did you get to school and home from school? Uh, I actually caught the bus uh, pretty much every single day from year 7 through to year 12. It was the um, bus that went through Park Orchards. Uh, it started off actually as the uh, Ventura, like a outside bus service, and then eventually it got changed. But I just remember the first few years, there was always very, very full buses, which you had to um, kind of fight with the White Fries and Luther students to get seats. And every now and again, people would actually be kicked off. So it was... Uh, uh, a bit of a bit of a battleground that one. So it taught me some some physical skills in self self defence. <laughs> Goodness me! Or maybe just the ability to lay low and uh, hopefully you don't get noticed. Yeah, just hide in the corner. <laughs> Once we can, what is a travel destination that you is on your bucket list that you really want to get to, or what's one that you have travelled to that you would stress as a high recommendation to the rest of us? Well, I'd actually had Europe booked in um, as COVID started. So my entire flights got cancelled and a whole trip around Europe planned. But uh, I, I think through COVID, I, I've, I've, I've realised that perhaps that won't happen anytime soon. So maybe something a bit more local would be good. So uh, if it's interstate or international travel, probably Japan or New Zealand, which I've been to once before, um, both countries that love to love to visit. But um, assuming, assuming the world uh, goes on the improve, then hopefully onto Europe visit Germany and all the places. Liam, is there a, a book or a documentary or even a movie that you have been inspired by or that you would just give as a good recommendation for other people to engage with? A book that I read at the start of this year, which was probably one of the most influential books I've read in a while, was um, Ego is the Enemy. I can't recall who it's by, though, but it was sort of a deconstruction of... Um, really successful people through history or people now, you know, politicians or, uh, you know, thought leaders in different areas. And it, it looked at why they succeeded. And it was kind of this, this idea that you surround yourself with capable people and sort of, you know, put ego to the side and you're much more likely to succeed. And, you know, you still get people like, um, you know, maybe certain, certain presidents of certain countries that maybe have huge egos, but th th there's, there's success in different ways, I think. And, you know, you might be able to ascend to some fantastic, fantastic position like that. But it's sort of like a fatal flaw, I guess, in some people. So the book deconstructed that a little bit and looked at how you can look at yourself and try to try to work on that a little bit. Um, I myself probably was a little bit egotistical in maybe some of my years. And I've tried my best to, to shake that and think less about myself and, you know, how, how great I am and instead look at other people around me and, you know, how how fantastic it is that we've all kind of got these different quirks and skills and, and really just kind of be happy when others succeed as much as yourself. I appreciate your willingness to engage with the idea of, of continually growing and learning and, uh, and, and sort of seeking to improve your own interaction with the world and, and other people's experience of you. I wonder along the way whether there is a tool or an app or a habit that has been really critical for you. You mentioned uh, regular gaming and, and that's an aspect of, of being able to kind of go into an imaginary world and, and relax and be refreshed and restored. Are there other things that you do that uh, have stood the test of time for you? Uh, I still am very into my guitar and my music, my singing. So that's that's definitely been something that's, that's helped a lot. But as far as tools and apps, it's, it's a difficult one. I think um, 
probably just music in general, maybe making making playlists for, for certain kind of moods or or things that you think about and kind of using that as a way to ground yourself. That's that's definitely one that I practice quite regularly. Yeah, that's great. Liam, if things go really well for you, let's say for the next five years, what's happening? What have you got in your life in five years' time if, if all goes time. according to plan? I mean, honestly... I, I just hope things don't necessarily change. I, I, I hopefully different projects, different things that are, that are challenging, exciting, and kind of continuing to learn. But uh, as far as from a work perspective, uh, I think it's just a matter of, of keeping on going. But in other elements of life, uh, hopefully moving towards home ownership one day, as our generation so so yearn for would be would be one. But uh, that's that's. Uh, a big journey that one. So having somewhere to to put my own things into rather than renting and put a bit of character to, yeah, that would be that would be a great one. That sounds great. That's very good. I wonder if there you have a, a quote or an affirmation, something that uh, has inspired you or that's written on the back of the the bathroom door or something that you go back to to help keep you up and about. That is a very difficult one uh i think there's an interesting quote and i can't i can't remember who it was it was a youtube video that I watched on a lady who was deaf and she was talking about how all through her life she was met with all these different challenges and i can't exactly remember the quote but it was all about the gift of choice and how everyone has that gift but it's whether or not they choose to acknowledge that they have a choice is what's important some people think that others are making choices for them, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you're the one making that that choice, whether that be in, you know, pursuing something you love or to, you know, cut something that's causing you issues or to, you know, eat that eat that hamburger instead of the broccoli and, and go for the, the unhealthy option, the healthy option, all those different choices that you have and take accountability for that and know that that is your choice and that no one else can take that away from you. I think that's a, a, a very powerful one that I, I've heard uh, quite recently. It's very thoughtful, and uh, and you're quite right. The the reality is we do have choices, um, and we need to acknowledge that and appreciate that, and then be proactive about making choices, and and ideally making good choices that uh, are going to serve us well in the future. Um, Liam, probably heading towards my last question, and but it's a biggie, and and I want you to answer the question, and then I want you to answer the question, and that is. What question were you really hoping that I would ask you during our conversation today? And once oh, you gosh. answered that, what's your answer to your own question? Um, what question? Um, what was an extracurricular thing that I enjoyed? Let's go with that. Liam Malcolm from the class of 2014, what was a co-curricular activity that you participated in that was a a favorite that was a standout for you? So I think for me, I actually really enjoyed the Saturday sports. Now that I look back on it, it's something that I resisted quite a lot during it. But now that I think back on it, it was really good to have those connections with, with teammates that, you know, might not have been necessarily your year level, but having those people around you to, to kind of, um, you know, join in something competitive on. So that, that was one of them. But probably the other one as well was all of the performances that they did in the drama department as well. So putting on some of the shows. I unfortunately didn't participate as many as I wish I could have. And I sort of reflect back on that and regret maybe not saying yes to, to, to all of them. But 
the ones I did um, join in on, I, Yara did some fantastic performances, and I know they still do. The um, the sets and the uh, the direction and everything is is really strong. So that's that's something I look back on quite positively. Fantastic. Liam, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your stories, your adventures, and uh, and your perspective. You, you seem to me to be uh, very thoughtful and reflective, certainly high in emotional intelligence, and your ability to communicate here in this forum suggests that you uh, continue to do a good job of communication in your uh, professional role as well. So we are grateful for you spending a few moments with us. Thank you for being inspired by Yarra and through this perhaps being an inspiration to the wider Yarra community. So we thank you and we appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Paul. I told you, didn't I? Hey, can put a word or two together. Speaks very well, communicates eloquently and makes a whole lot of sense along the way. Liam Morecambe from the class of 2014, we are grateful to you for spending some time with us and to you, the listener. Thank you also for tuning in. Thanks for sharing in this conversation and uh, and joining us along the way. And look, to be fair, we would love you to share it, to like it, to pass it on to others, others who you think may also benefit from, appreciate and enjoy these conversations that we have here on the Inspired by Yarra podcast. Yogs in particular are encouraged to look us up on LinkedIn and join the group Yarra Old Grammarians Connect. It's a great way to stay in touch with each other and the wider Yarra Valley Grammar community. And I hope you'll all enjoy coming along for the ride again next time. Join us when I'll sit down with another Yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian, and see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. Subscribe on your podcast player, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or however you're tuning in. We'd love you to stick around and make sure that you get notification of the next episode. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra Valley Grammar, and in particular those who put the Inspired by Yarra podcast together, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with a sense of purpose to make a positive impact in the world around you. Mm-hmm.